Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of RZ Weekly, our weekly podcast about religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and uh, everything in between. My name is Ruven Spalter. I live in Yad Binyamin. I'm here with Robin E. Malibrovsky from Alon Shavut and Rab Johnny Solomon from Evan Shmuel. And they also work in different places, too. Uh, today, we're going to uh, hopefully address two topics. We'll see if Mali lets us get to the second one. But the, the first topic we're going to talk about is the, is the uh, interview that has the Jewish world ablaze. Perhaps ablaze because there's not much else going on well, other than a corona crisis. But the interview that we're talking about is the famous Seth Rogen interview with Mark Marin on the WTF podcast. So it's important to know, um, just, just for a little bit of background, I don't know if our listeners, we assume they know what the uh, WTF podcast is. It is one of the most popular podcasts in the world. Mark Maron just sold the rights to it, I think, to Spotify for like $100 million or some crazy amount of money like that. And Maron uh, invited Seth Rogen to talk about his upcoming movie called An American Pickle. Now, uh, uh, it's if you it's worthwhile to watch the to watch the the uh, the preview for the movie. I didn't watch the whole movie. It's now out, but the movie is a very Jewish movie. It really is about it's about a person who meets his great grandfather who just came over from the old country and the interaction between them. And there's a lot of Jewishness in it that really comes out in the movie. And I think that was a catalyst. Like you know, poor Ro- Rogan goes on on uh, on Mark Maron's podcast to talk about his movie. And Marin ends up say, saying, listen, we're going we're gonna to talk about, uh, you know, it gets very Jewish. You know, if you go to the podcast page, the first thing it says is, trigger warning if you're an anti-Semite. He says, you know, but this is by far the Jewiest talk that Mark, with Mark, that two Jews ever had on the show. It's a very Jewish uh, talk. And most of his, I guess most, most of Mark Marin's uh, audience is definitely not Jewish. So anyway, Rogan, they, they start talking about all these different uh, serious topics. And Rogan, of course, causes a firestorm because saying among many, many, many other things that while he was raised in a, in a uh, proudly Zionist home, his parents met on a kibbutz in Israel and he was brought up, he went to a Jewish day school, no less. He said that he was fed a huge amount of lies about Israel. And as it's written in the Times of Israel, he questioned why the state should exist. Okay, Marin sort of concurred, and, and, and then, you know, you, should, you, you could listen to it. Molly's going to tell us about her experiences listening to the podcast. And this, of course, caused a huge firestorm in the Jewish world. Seth Rogen, he, he insinuated Israel shouldn't exist. What's wrong with him? How could he say such a thing? And that, of course, caused a secondary level of articles. Uh, recently, this week, I've enjoyed watching uh, the Jewish agency's head, Yitzhak Herzog, he tweeted about how Rogan apologized and clarified his remarks. And then Rogan had another interview with Howard saying, I did not apologize. And his mother got involved. It's all very interesting. But what's more interesting is the articles that are being written in response. And this is why it's relevant to us. Uh, because <coughs> Rogan represents, I would say, uh, uh, the cream of the crop of Jewish, of, of Jewish children who are being raised they, with a Jewish education, a strong sense of Jewish identity. They were raised with a, an identity of going to the synagogue and married to a Jewish woman who cares about her, very much cares about her own Jewish identity. And all he can say about it is, I don't believe in religion, seems silly to me, and questions the identity of Israel on, a, on, a, on an international podcast. So everyone is, 
Everyone is clapping al chait either for Rogan or what do we do about it? How should we respond? So I, I wanted to I wanted to ask Molly specifically first what her reaction was, and the way I asked her was this. Uh, my response, and Molly, I'll just I'll give one more minute if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. My response was uh, we were discussing whether to talk about it, and and uh, the initial reaction I got was why do I want to, why do I care what Seth Rogan said? And the answer number one is because everyone cares about what Seth Rogan said. And the answer number two is because this is the atmosphere in which our students, after their gap year in Israel, our children are 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 getting educated and inculcated. I don't know if inculcated is a fair word, but certainly bombarded by this kind of attitude towards Israel. So they're raised, children are raised, going on birthright, they're, they're, they're given a strong Jewish identity, and then they're, they're, they're just overwhelmed by this, by this movement of anti-Israel that was all a lie, and that other people were living there, and why do we really need Israel anymore, and, you know, and all of those, and what does religion mean anymore? Molly, before I ask you to respond to the podcast, because it's just fun for me, uh, how how are you, as a Jewish educator, about to bring in, Baruch Hashem, thank God, uh, students and study with them for the coming year? How are you now going to talk differently towards your students with the knowledge that this is what they're going to have to contend with when they return to the United States to go to college? I see. You want me to, you want me to start there? Uh, I do want you to start there, but then I can, you can... You can Go off on the podcast. Okay, if no, anybody not... wants to pay the $10,000 membership fee, I'm happy to forward <laughs> them the ongoing list of, of WhatsApp voicemails that Molly sent to our WhatsApp group as wow. she was listening to the podcast. It's, yes. worth the, it's, it's worth the subscription fee, I promise. It's probably true, but I'm going to try to maintain my um, statesmanlike demeanor, um, which I don't always manage, but let's see how, let's see how well I can go. So, so, all right, I guess to answer your question... Uh, well, uh, let me just say what, what, uh, let me just say one thing, which is like I literally had an allergic reaction when I started listening to this podcast, which is why Ruby, which, what Ruby found so entertaining. Um, and uh, we can go back to it, but I just want to explain the context to answer your question. The, I could not believe what I was listening to. I could not believe. First of all, I won't even say the title of this podcast. I'm embarrassed to say it. I like I'll turn red. It, what, what kind of a title is that? Are you kidding me? Sorry, I, I guess my statesman-like de- demeanor is rapidly eroding. That went quickly. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, that's what you title your podcast, and, like, everybody's good with that? And then this guy starts talking, and he, like, literally uses the F word four times in the space of maybe ten seconds before he even starts. Like, what is happening? Okay, but that's not even what bothered me. <laughs> that's just not even what bothered me. But what I'm saying is that the discord, the talk, like, so many things bothered me about... The, if this is emblematic of the culture, and again, there's high culture and low culture. I don't know what you'd call this, mid-culture. Molly, but, have you ever heard of Howard Stern? I've never listened to Howard Stern, but here's the difference. I mean, maybe it's not a difference. I always assumed that, like, Howard Stern was called a shock jock, right? You knew, if you're listening to Howard Stern, that you're getting a certain level of discourse that, that like, you're not proud of listening to, right? And maybe you don't admit it. You don't admit that you listen to Howard Stern. And then, like, shamefacedly, you might, one might. I've never listened to Howard Stern. But what, what this, for, for this to be considered normative, that's part of what shocked me. And, again, it, it wasn't even the, like, crassness and the low, low. There's so many things that bothered me about, about his attitude. Oh, I, okay. I'm going to 
statesmanlike, statesmanlike, breathing. <laughs> Breathe. Okay. <laughs> Casual dismissiveness, tolerance, mass and intolerance, um, jokes at the expense of others. While on the other hand, you're, you're, you're like the wokest ever, but you'll still make fun of people who are disabled. Like literally in one sentence, he was making fun of a guy who got his ear chopped off. And then he talks about how his father works with disabled people. Okay, whatever. Breathing, breathing. Okay. That's not what you asked. (laughs) Okay, and I know that's a nitpick. I know that's a nitpick, and I'm being really. That's what bothered you. I know. It was just like I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't. Like I'm never gonna talk to my father again because he said you're allowed to have differences of opinion. But if you have that opinion, you're not allowed to have that difference of opinion. That we are gonna have to restart because I can't do this. I'm sorry. No, no, keep going. Let's go back to my question. I'll bring you back (gasps) to my question. We're not restarting. You just said that your father is not allowed to have a different political opinion. Wait, Molly, bring it, let's bring it back to our question. Woo! Okay, okay. Because everybody else is Nazis. You're not the Nazi. They're the Nazis. Okay, okay. Breathe, breathe, breathe. Three, two, one. Statesmanlike? Okay, here we go. All right, what am I going to tell my students? Okay, here's my statesmanlike gathered answer. With the years, I was always the um, voice of modern orthodoxy, judicious um, um, choosing of the best that that the secular world has to offer and recognizing what's not so great in that world and accepting and rejecting and being discerning. Um, And as our culture races to the bottom, um, I feel like I'm... The, the the balance of where I'm going to put my emphasis is going to change, and it has changed with time. And again, I, I guess I, I I might have told the story before. I've definitely shared this with people, but like they once asked of Lichtenstein what his opinion was about movies, um, and he was sort of negative about it. Um, and then they quoted him a quote that he had said 20 years before, where he was much more positive about going to the movies. And his answer was, "My position hasn't changed. The movies have changed." So I feel like that's my answer when you ask me that question. Has anything changed in my theoretical um, position about about gathering the wonderful things that there, that secular culture or world culture has to offer? Absolutely nothing has changed. However, as I watch our society, um, again, just race to the bottom on all metrics in terms of what's considered civil discourse, in terms of... Uh, ability to um, to uh, what's considered acceptable um, in terms of insults, in, in terms of, of, of what's considered acceptable in terms of humor. I, I just feel more and more like if this is what culture, if this is where we are as a society, I'm going to have to politely remove myself more and more. And when, when my students ask about how you find that balance, I'm going to hit the side that says you really have to start by being very, very clear about what your own values are and, and what your own red lines are. Um, and, and, and that might mean, that might mean sacrifice, that might mean being different, and, and, and it certainly means you have to never, ever, ever take off your critical eyes and you always have to view yourself as from a culture that's different from the culture surrounding you. Those are the messages that I'm going to be um, emphasizing much more stronger than I ever did without. So I want to push back though, Molly. Is that re- is that is that realistic? Is it possible? 
I, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great question. It's a great question. So I would say, again, it, it's, it's also possible that um, I would now... I would now be more. Um, I would. I, I, I would believe that you have. That I would. I would. I would argue for a more um, self-sheltered existence than I might have in the past. Hmm. I might. You know, people are making personal choices. M- I, maybe I, this whole experience is making you realize that you really do lead a sheltered life and are happy about it. I definitely lead a sheltered life, and I am very happy about that. That's for sure. That's. That, that's not a question. That's oh, not, not Okay, a I want to turn it over to Johnny. Johnny, I, I can imagine, I, I'm, I'm going to take it for granted that you're not a uh, Mark Maron regular listener. Uh, and I, I, I was, I'm wondering um, what your response to the whole hullabaloo is from your perspective. I mean, the hullabaloo in general and how you reacted to reading about it. Okay, so firstly, just to make sure that I heard his words correctly. I listened to a very, very small excerpt of um, this interview, uh, and while I was able to skip through some of the things that Mali had been writing about, it was certainly not a um, a comfortable bit of listening. But uh, what I see here is the following: we have somebody who speaks loudly uh, and speaks proudly as a Jew, as as you said, Mark. Uh, is it Maron or Maron? Uh, emphasizes that this is a tone of his podcast and this particular conversation with Seth Rogen. And you have somebody who uh, who distinguishes between, as he says, soft Jews, basically liberal Jews in America, and sinewy Jews, which he says, I put Israelis in that tough category, and makes clear that I haven't got along with an Israeli for a long time. So ever, ever, because they're all psychopaths. Right, right. well, he, he makes reference to certain madrachim who he called psychotic. Yeah. But never... Um, he, he is married Jewish, uh, but what perhaps troubled me is the following. Here's somebody who clearly feels that what he was told about Israel isn't quite what he thinks he knows about it now. And by the way, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say sometimes our education doesn't quite match up with how we see things. And I think he's wrong, but in material of that, I don't think he's unique in struggling to connect what he was thought he was taught about and what he sees now as an adult. What bothered me more in terms of the conversations around his remarks was how quickly people pounced on his critical remarks relating to Israel, in which he said, uh, basically, uh, I, you know, he, he says that Israel, you know, Jews are hung up about Israel. Uh, and he says, and if people uh, have affiliations to Israel for religious reasons, I don't agree with them because I believe religion is silly. And if it's about the preservation of the Jewish people, I think it's silly because why put all your Jews in one basket? And I've noted that a lot of the feedbacks about this interview were all defending Israel and almost none, they may well have quoted him, but almost none made any reference to his remarks about religion. And what Mm -hmm. we see here is somebody who he wants to disassociate um, his Judaism with Israel. He basically says, I'm a proud Jew, but I have nothing to do with Israel. I don't, I don't see myself as those kind of Jews. He wants to disassociate his Judaism with religion. He makes it clear, I'm Jew, I want to talk about Jewy things, but religion is silly. And he wants to disassociate Israel with religion. He wants to make clear that Israel has nothing to do with really core uh, Jewish values and religious values. And it, I, I can't quite find the quote in the last 
couple of seconds when we were discussing it. It reminds me of a quote by Rav Hirsch, who criticizes those who identify Judaism as a religion. He says, if you see Judaism as a religion, you're going to find yourself in great trouble. It's about a relationship. It's about uh, about having emunah. Religion is really the word that we use to describe such rituals. Judaism is about a relationship. And I see as somebody who failed to foster, and we can blame his teacher, we can blame his family, we can blame him. I'm not here to point fingers. I don't know him, and I don't really think it's really fair to be the judge and juror of what I don't know about somebody. But what you have here is somebody who, on his words, doesn't have a personal relationship with Jewish peoplehood beyond culture, doesn't have any sense of meaningful affiliation other than through the compulsion of family to Israel, and feels no affection to religion, and say, doesn't see religion as being the thread that ties all this together. So I find it to be profoundly tragic. I may well be very, very upset by things he says, and I think that's how a lot of the uh, journalists and commentators have responded. They're angry with what this guy said. I I'm sure I'm angry. I think what he said about Israel and Israelis is defamation. I think it's it's terrible. I, th I think he's shown profound ignorance. But what really, really bothers me, which basically has given me almost sleepless nights since I heard about this original um, uh, piece, this original interview, is why are we as Jews unprepared to defend Judaism at all? Why are so few people prepared to challenge him about what he said about God and Torah? But we're so quick to defend uh, you know, the status of the state of Israel, which, of course, I'm a profoundly proud, not just admirer, resident, I'm profoundly proud about the fact that I'm a citizen of the state of Israel and, and uh, com com committed and loyal supporter. But I'm also committed and loyal supporter of Yadut, which I won't translate as a religion, as Yadut with a relationship with God, which is rooted in the Torah, which has taught the world about ethical values, which has taught the world about a lot of the values which he's using to criticize Israel, which he's using, apparently, to criticize religion. So I find this to be a profound mis uh, mishmash, both in terms of the things that Seth Rogen has said, but also in terms of the response to this interview. I, oh, I have to turn my mic on. Johnny, I, I, my question, though, is why you're surprised about people were not upset about, about the religious part. Because I guess I'm not surprised that nobody, nobody, that didn't surprise me at all because I think most Jews agree with him about that. Right? The, the problem wasn't that, that Rogan um, debased Jewish religion because Jews, the vast majority of Jews, at least statistically in America, don't practice the Jewish religion nor do they believe in it in any way. The, the, problem that Rogan, the, the reason Rogan um, generated such a crazy firestorm is because he violated the, the real Jewish religion in America, which is? Right, support of Israel. Support of Israel. Right. So, and that's, I think, what's most interesting. That we're, we're starting to re realize, I don't know if we're starting to realize, but it just, it highlighted to me, and I think that this is true, it highlighted to me that the, I think a sense of an earthquake among, among American Jewry, whether you're religious or not, because American Jewry always thought at least the last, at least to prevent assimilation, at least we still believe in the religion of Israel. But if our young people, and Rogan is a representative of young people, even though he's not that young, he's, he's close to our age, 
if our young people don't believe, if the people that are training our young people and the thought leaders that are teaching them how to think have no affinity for Israel, then there is no hope. And I've seen, even seen articles to that effect. Then what do we have? What do we have to connect them at all? They're not going to be religious. They're not going to keep Judaism. What are the odds that their children are going to be Jewish at all? And, yeah, and but, but the point is... That's, I think, what caused such a firestorm among all of the, all of the uh, literati, all the Jewish literati. The, it wasn't the religion, because they know that. They all do that. It was the exact opposite. It was the, it was the other religion. It was the real religion. And but without the, that, right. what do you have? You have nothing. But what, I, what struck me the most from listening... First of all, I have to just say, B'mchilat Kavod Seth Rogen, like... Oh, He's only important as a representative of a certain... He just exposed the vacuousness of all the people that he represents. He's not... He, he, he didn't say anything particularly thoughtful. He didn't say anything particularly deep. I want to put my... Like, I just want to add another point before you said before you ask. Because yeah. it's about exactly that. I felt... It's interesting. If he hadn't doubled down... You know what I'm saying? And I think now he's backing into a corner so he feels he has to. Yeah, I, I asked you yeah. to listen to podcasts for a reason. Who is Seth Rogen? Seth Rogen is a person who literally makes his, his living. He made $100 million making a movie, an animated movie about, about you know what it's about, Molly? I, about sexual innuendo. I know enough cetera, to know that it's, it's disgusting. Right. I, that's I, I who he try. is. He is... He is Howard Stern. He is a shock jock. That's what he right. does. Okay? Right. But then, here's what happened. He made a movie that's not only Jewish. He made a movie that's about being Jewish. And it's about, in a, in a lot of the subtext is, what does it mean to be Jewish today? And what's my relationship? What would my grandfather right. think of me today? And the interviewer, Mark Marin, I sensed, yes, that he's a shock jock. If you've ever listened, interestingly, I, I have listened to Howard Stern board at work and whatever when I used to live in America. The reason Howard Stern is so popular is that what people say is, even though he has this veneer of, of inappropriateness, he really gets to the heart of an issue. And the people who rise, and you could sense it in this Mark Maron as well, that he'll joke around with you, but at the end he was kind of, he was leading, he was trying to get to the heart of the issue. He wanted to ask Rogan, why did you make such a Jewish movie? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what is this theme that keep, you keep going back to? And he was doing it, and all Rogan could do, and I was like, I felt bad for him in a sense, because he's a clown. And all Rogan could do was sort of make jokes about, he wasn't comfortable talking about this idea of Jewish identity and why he keeps going back to these themes. You, you know what I'm saying? Like he made, yeah. he, made, he made a movie that touches on serious themes, but then refused to engage. And I heard right. like Marin, like getting frustrated. He would say, well, the Shiva is meaningful and I do yeah. find meaning. And, and Marin would come back and try to get him to see you know, they would, they would make an offhanded joke and then Rogan would just be a clown. And so, it, it, and like, in the end, if Rogan had, I think Rogan should have done, if he meant it, and he couldn't, I guess, in the end, to say, I'm a clown. I was trying to make jokes. They came off bad. Sorry. And he tried to say that. And why are you people listening to me anyway? I, all I do is make jokes about flatulence and, and, you know what I'm saying? That's all I do. But in the end, it turned to something much bigger. And, and that's why, and, the problem is that exactly the problem you're talking about, Molly, that the people who are the thought leaders today are not philosophers, they're not, they're not religious leaders, they're not even not, not orthodox, non-orthodox, they're not, they're not leaders of the Jewish community, they're the people that make the fart jokes. They're the people that hit the ball the farthest, whether they can think or not. 
And, and that's really frightening. And that's why it's so interesting, because, because Seth Rogen is representative of the Jews, and his thoughts do influence people because they do care about what he thinks. But that's, all he was doing is parroting whatever he heard at the last party that he went to. But that's what's so sad to me. What's sad to me is, meaning I think it's important to listen to what he has to say because I think, again, I think he, re he reflects a certain, he, he's a spokesman, he's a voice, he's the mouthpiece, um, right? He's just, the, he's just the shofar for what a lot of people think, right? And, what, and it's just very sad to see how superficial, shallow, um, not thoughtful, not educated a lot of people's thoughts are. Now, the question is, what you're saying is like, I think a lot enough people recognize, like, why would we expect more from him? The guy's job, as you're saying, is to, is to make juvenile high school boy um, uh, movies. That's his job. Why would I expect him to be thoughtful or deep, right? And like, I, I think it's time for people to start recognizing that that you're, you should not. Be this is the funniest thing you've said all night. <laughs> what? Why? That's well. Have you, I mean, welcome to 2020 or welcome to the 21st century. Okay, but I'm saying, but, but, but okay, this is a, a people like you make me think of like I'm, just, we watch Netflix like, like every you know Netflix like everybody else. And the only thing there is to watch on Netflix in Israel is Back to the Future. So it reminds me of that thing when, so the, when Doc Brown says, who's the president in 1985? And he goes, Ronald right, Reagan. Ronald Reagan, the, the actor. The actor. <laughs> right. Okay, but I think, I think there's a, a very big movement in America that's starting to... Ricky Gervais is the, is, is the, is, has been saying this. Hollywood, we pay you to entertain us. Keep your mouths closed and do your job. Stop pontificating about and talking down to us about, you know, your view of, of, of um, you know, the way the world should be because that's not your job and you're not qualified to do that. And I think there is an increasing frustration with, with that um, phenomenon, okay? Um, but, like, uh, that's neither here nor there because I think you're right that at the end of the... Uh, I think it is a little bit... It is a little bit important because I think it is important for, like... Like, this is a little bit of tempest in a teapot. This goes back to, like, all of our social media conversations. If it hadn't been for, like, the age of Twitter and social media, so some idiot said something stupid on, on some shallow shock jocks show. Who cares, right? But, and again, maybe there is a, it struck a deeper nerve because it struck a deeper nerve because, again, it, it kind of ripped the Band-Aid off and, and laid bare. Wait a second. This is what people. This is really what people think and feel. A lot of people. Maybe they. Maybe they're a little more sophisticated about it. Maybe they're a little deeper about it. There are a heck of a lot of youth, and as you said, they're not necessarily so young. There is a very large population of American Jewry that this is their Judaism. Um, as as Johnny said, distinguishing between this is their Judaism and this is their relationship to Israel, and that was very very scary. But I, I think it's also important to like. Seth Rogen is not important because Seth Rogen is anything valuable to say like like there are intellectuals in the world you, you know so like if somebody if somebody is thoughtful says something or, or somebody has a position where you're supposed to be thoughtful that's your job if politician says something about about an issue that they're supposed to be well um, versed in because because they have influence on that you should relate to that differently than if some you know guy who makes really like 
yeah, like infantile juvenile movie says that we should we should be able to put that into proportion. And I hope I hope that people do. And I hope that the the the, the majority of the reaction is more to him as a again. It's like wow, wow. That's where people are. Like Judaism is. Um, it's it's important because it's in my DNA and I can't erase myself from it. So like it's important, but it's not that important. Like that's what Seth that's what Seth Rogen said. He's like it's one of twenty things about me, right? I'm also Jewish and that's like part of my identity. But I'm also like a gardener and I'm also you know like a husband and I'm also from Canada. It's something about me. But he couldn't. He he himself was very clear. It's it's not meaningful to him in any sense. And when you asked him. Well, what about religion? He's like, religion is mostly the tooth fairy, right? Oh, and when I when he said Shiva, I saw that it like gave a nice structure, but overall, like I realized it was a tooth fairy in you know in eighth grade. Um, and Judaism, Judaism, not Judaism, Zionism. Oh, they they just lied to us. They gave us a bunch of you know jingoistic Zionism that was completely one sided. Mommy, he said that especially about his Judaism. That right. It was it was simplistic, and that was really what's tragic. But that didn't surprise me at all. And this so I what I'm saying is Johnny. that Johnny, is an this issue. doesn't surprise me at all. Most Jews, Jewish education ended in, uh, you know, right. I just want to say one thing about the design. So why wouldn't he think it's childish and juvenile? He, sh- he, he, he should. And that, that says something about the poverty of what's going on in, um, in the larger world, the, po- the, the poverty of, of, the na- of Jewish education. And so what I'm saying is, to the degree to which, yes, we should do cheshbon anefesh and make our Jewish education better and make our, our Israel education better, yes, we should. But to assume that, like, oh, my gosh, his summer camp must have done this terribly one-sided job just because Seth Rogen, just, you know, that was his conclusion doesn't necessarily mean that 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 it's for sure, sure, that, that his education was a failure. I mean, not his education was a failure, that his education wasn't done in a... It, that the people who educated him um, were unfair or or um, were simplistic. I don't know. I don't know. It, does it mean that, yes, we have to think seriously about how to engage with the younger generation? Absolutely. Does it mean that we have to uh, think about how to reach them? Yes, definitely. But, like, listen, American Jewry has been a failing enterprise for a very, very long time, and this just exposes it. Johnny, that's a pretty harsh statement. You're going to go with that? American Jewry or English Jewry? It's failing or? I'm just saying num- numerically. Numerically. It's, it's not um, succeeding. You can talk about why. And maybe, you know, I'm, 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 maybe I'm not putting blame on, uh, I mean, whatever. I at least have my opinions. But, but um, so I, I'll address. Complicated than, than I would, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be uncomplicated at it, as I'm accusing other people of being. Yeah. Johnny, so I'll, I'll address two things. Number one, uh, relating to what he said, and number one, relating to, number two, relating to what you've just been discussing. It's you know, again, I didn't listen to the entire podcast, but at least from the from the bits I did hear, we're not talking about any meaningful, nuanced critique of anything, neither of Israel nor of religion. We're talking about somebody who lives in the world of sound bites, who offered a sound bite. Uh, I know you you talked about whether he back down and maybe he should have said, I was just joking, in Times of Israel they said the Jewish actor said his comments were made in jest and he doesn't want Jews to believe that he thinks this, etc, etc. So apparently he did say, I was laughing about a little bit with the uh, with the presenter, 
Nevertheless, he didn't give a critique on anything. He made absurdly shallow generalized remarks about things that matter, obviously, to all three of us, in which my general approach is it highlights his ignorance, but also makes me deeply worried about how we respond to people such as this, whereby, as I say, we, we defend his all, but we don't defend religion. We kind of say, well, that's, that's, a, that's a done thing for American joy or for Western joy for that matter. But let me go to your second point about the question of uh, advanced Jewish education. When I started teaching in a high school quite a number of years ago, um, basically 20 something years ago, one of the first courses I had to teach was about Judaism on campus. And I remember I did quite a bit of research to make sure I was gonna teach that class well. And I came across an extraordinary essay from 1965 by Alfred Josby titled, uh, 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 Judaism on the Campus, Essays in Jewish Education in the University Community. And there he pinpointed the issue that we're pointing out, which is why is it that so many Jews fall away from their affiliation with Judaism at, at campus? It's because the gap between their understanding of the religion, let's use his word, the silly religion of Judaism, which may well have ended at age 10 uh, or 12, and their more sophisticated understandings of general culture and literature which they're developing in university become so broad you kind of by virtue of the contrast you say well this is just silly and i'm just going to keep on going with this other thing which seems very sophisticated education is ultimately the key to enable people to have sophisticated conversations that doesn't mean they would agree with each of us about israel or agree with each of us about a religion but at least it should be a robust conversation i didn't hear that in the conversation that was had between Seth Rogen and, and uh, Mark Moron. I found it to be, let's say, shallow and, and, and very, very childlike, a bit like what uh, Mali was saying. But the points made by Jospi in 65 remain certainly true till today. If we allow people to have a very elementary understanding of Judaism, basically of, of cute stories which make little sense and only told to, to young kids in kindergarten and elementary school at best, uh, or, or kind of stories you tell at camps, but they're really not not deep and not rich. They're just to give a sense, a flavor of, of Jewish culture. They're basically the bagel version of Judaism. And then uh, you, you, you watch documentaries, you read books, you advance your education. Simply by virtue of that gap, you lose people because they grow to have contempt with a religion, with a faith, with a relationship they never truly had, at least to, at a mature age. And so what we must do, aside from many other things, we could beat our chest of the past, of which there's good reason to do so. But what we must do at all stages is make sure that as many Jews as possible develop a nuanced understanding of Judaism that speaks to their age and speaks to their education. And you asked Mali earlier, what would you do to a, to a young woman who has come to one of the Midrashot where she teaches, you know, what would be your first uh, approach? My, my, of course, it's important to know the culture they're coming from, but your job is to educate them about Judaism, about religion, in a manner which is sufficiently sophisticated. They're part of the conversation. So then at that point, you can agree or disagree, but you're there, you're present, you're not disconnected. You recognize there's something to talk about. You recognize there's something to fight about. It's sad because when you hear Seth Rogen talk about certain liberal values, he's passionate. He knows his stuff, allegedly. I don't think he does, but he thinks that he does. When it comes to the religion, you know, it's just, it, it's, you can throw it away. It's meaningless. It's silly. That's tragic. It means what he knows of, of Yadut is extremely small and extremely uh, simple, extremely elementary. And 
again, it's it's not for us to say who's at fault there. We could say all manner of different things, but we don't know him. But the fact is, though, that's why he said what he said, because it counted as being very, very cheap in his eyes by the point he was able to have that conversation. So I, I think actually it's, I, I want to respond to the question that I asked Molly at the very beginning, and then I'll let you have the last word. I think it's very interesting, Molly uh, and, and Johnny, that I'm trying to um, bring my thoughts together. The first thing I would say is, like, I listened to it, and it was so interesting to me that, like, why is this person who has such disdain for religion trying to make such Jewish movies? Meaning, why do you go back to your Jewish identity if it's so unimportant to you? And so on the one hand, and that's so tragic to me, because I, I, uh, culture isn't about pickles or flatulence or whatever. Culture is about the message underlying the message. Like, you know, the, the, the theme b beyond the joke. And so that was what, what's so sad to me is, like, I heard a call or a cry out to, of someone who's attempting to try to come to grips but doesn't know how and doesn't have the language or the sense of, you know, he's very sophisticated when it comes to his job and his work and the things he's passionate about. But he's when, when he's reaching for... I don't what? think Seth Rogen and the word sophisticated ever belong in the same I, I think you're wrong. And what I think I've you're seen, wrong. Maybe I'm, I haven't actually... Actually, I take that back because if I'm going to not tell... I'm going to tell people not to be like that, then I won't be like that. I if, if you, I, you this, and I are not... I don't think it's just luck. You and I, whatever you're good, you're good at. He's very good at what he does. He somehow knows how to push people's buttons okay. in a way. Okay, fine. That's number he's one. Very and, none, and he still feels the current. need. To, he feels okay. still, still feels the need to going back to that well of what would my the movie literally is. What would I say to my great grandfather if I met him? What would he think of me? That's literally the movie. Right. Okay, a theme of the movie. At at the same at uh, at the same time. That goes to my second point. What I think you should tell your students, and I'll tell your students, whoever's listening, is the, is the challenge of the, of the frog in the, in, the, in the hot water. You know, like if you, if you jump into the hot water, I, I remember myself. I remember, I remember when, like, after you spend two years learning in Shalavim, I remember going back, I remember very vividly going to the grocery store. I just couldn't believe the pictures on the front of the magazines. And this is like 19, early 1990s. Like, oh my God, because I was, I was coming from such a, such a bubble, a holy place. And then, you know, and even when you go from Israel, there are things that don't appear in public in Israel, billboards and pictures, because there are Haredi here, and it's just not culturally acceptable. So, and then you go to America, you get off of the airport, and in the airport, there are advertisements and pictures that are just, uh, you know, that you're kind of surprised. But as time goes along, of course, you become more and more and more desensitized to the, not to the joke itself. Like the flatulence joke might be funny, but what's the underlying message that's lying underneath it and behind it? And I think that's something that we have to stress more and more, as opposed to, like, we're never going to convince our children or ourselves. We watch Netflix, we watch, you know, and what I try to teach my children is, What's the underlying message and the theme and the value that's being conveyed in the culture that you're watching? Because if you're not aware of it, it's far more dangerous than if you understand it and say, yeah, it's funny, or I like watching Star Trek. I understand that this message is a message that I disagree with or that's against my religious values, but what can I tell you? I like watching Star Trek. 
that's much less dangerous than, oh, and this, this goes back to something I mentioned to you last week after we spoke. Like, media is there to pull on your emotions and change your attitudes, not through your thought, but through your emotions. And it's incredibly good at what it does when it does that. It's incredibly effective. But it can change your perspective on your religion, on God, and on Israel by pulling on your heartstrings. And that's something that I think that we need to train our children to be aware of as they become more and more exposed to media. That you have well-meaning, proud Jews like Seth Rogen who are unwittingly or wittingly, even more wittingly, conveying messages that are detrimental to what we feel is their spiritual well-being. That's something that you have to be aware of. Johnny. I just want to add, most of you are probably unaware that one of the college courses I took as part of my degree was on film and television history. And when you actually go back to the early years of the movie industry, you realize that a lot of the bosses of, um, of Hollywood were Jews. Uh, they were secular Jews. And a lot of the early films had Jewish themes. And all of them were about Jews ebbing away from religion. Meaning the difference between those movies then, which were really about rejecting religion and, and, the, and the kind of remarks you see from Seth Rogen, is, is that those actually had a sense of emotional connection. You know, the jazz thing, you're, you're giving something up. There is something, there's an emotional tragedy, which of course, as an Orthodox Jew, I watched that movie and I have a very, very strong opinion about it. But I see that the tug of war, that's part of the drama of the movie. And there are many other movies similar to that. We, that kind of genre of giving things up, which was part of the message, part of the intent, part of the agenda of, of Hollywood. But it was expressed through a conflict Whereas now it's just it's just meaningless, silly. That's what's changed. Meaning Hollywood has always been dismissive of of faith of religion, but you know, uh, eighty years ago it was dismissive with a struggle. Now it's dismissive with a flick, and that and and the very fact it's so shallow and so so meaningless to those who are making that flick. That should scare us. We know that religion, we know that faith has been under threat um, in the public space, but, but there's a difference between threat where things have been challenged and where things are just chucked in the garbage bin without even being evaluated because it's so meaningless to them. I think that's the difference that, that bothers me more than some of those early movies, notwithstanding the, the problems they bring to the table. Molly, I'll give you the final word. Okay. Johnny always wraps it up, but I'll give you the final word. Yeah, okay. So just very quickly, I want to say that I agree with what you said very strongly. I think it's very correct and a nice way to frame it. Um, I, I always um, educate myself, my family, my kids, and hopefully my students to have that look for what the theme is and what the message is. Always have that critical eye. Always bring it out. And I, I just want to agree with Johnny that, like, and I've noticed this for years, that there's a certain... And it bothers me tremendously, and I think Seth Rogen and this Mark, what's it, Maron? Is that how you pronounce his name? I don't remember. Mark Maron. 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 They're, they're very representative of this certain type of, they're actually quite proud of the way in which Hollywood and the media represents Ju Judaism. And they're like, we are that, and... And, and we are awesome, right? It's like, I, I, I've never seen this show, The Marvelous, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel's. I haven't seen it. It could be that it deals with these themes more more, more deeply. But, like, I, I don't even want to watch it because I feel like it's going to irritate me, even though I haven't watched it. So not saying anything particularly about that. But it's like a certain type of Judaism. It's like, well, if I, like, have, like, an old man who has a Catskills accent, 
talk about bagels. We talk about my bar and bat mitzvah. Um, and I talk about how I'm a little neurotic. So, like, that's Judaism, folks. Um, and, you know, when we dig deep, you know what we're going to talk about when we dig deep? Persecution. We were persecuted, and now we're in America. That's as deep as they get, and, and they're proud of it. That's what drives me bonkers. I think that's also part of what irritated me. It's like they think that they are giving this, like, deep, deep reflection of what Judaism is, but their Judaism is, and again, I'm not saying this from a, you know, obviously, like, I'm coming with, with a lot of emotional charge, and I, and I know that usually when I come with emotional charge, I should probably tone it down and be more reflective. Um, so, 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 you know, like, at the end of the day, it's just, I find it sad, like, it's so, it's so poor, it's so impoverished, and they don't even realize that it's impoverished, and they're so proud of their impoverished Judaism, um, that they're so proud of themselves, like, this is the most Jewy conversation you'll ever hear, right? That's the, I hate that word Jewy, I hate that whole flippy, tippy, <laughs> like, just the word Jewish, you don't have to make up a new word, you're not more smarter than the rest of us because you now say Jewy, but okay, sorry, that's my, you know, my, my personal allergic reaction to this whole, the whole culture, the whole quippy, flippy, um, you know, snarky culture really, really bothers me. And again, for deeper reasons, I think it's really, really, really corrosive. But what I'm saying is, um, a couple times they were like, this is the most Jewy conversation you're ever going to hear. Really? This is the most, you really think that this is the most Jewy conversation that people are ever going to hear or that you guys have like had such a Jewy conversation or like at Seth Rogen's movie, like this, like, again, like, did you just say crossing Delancey? There's a certain like American Jewish, like, we're so American, we're so Jewish, like, we know about the Lower East Side, we, we serve pickles, we, you know, we say mazel tov, you know, like, come on, guys, like, there's much more Judaism than this, and like, to put this up... Yeah, but Molly, you're talking to our listeners, our listeners... I know, you know. But, but what I'm saying, this is, this is part of what you were saying before about, about, like, you have to see through it, you have to see through what they're doing. Um, and not just kind of mindless be like, yeah, they're good, they're funny, oh, I like the movie. Like, think a little bit more deeply about what it's doing to the larger culture. I know that our listeners don't need to hear this, but but I, I, I'm saying this to reinforce your point, which is like, you always have to take a step back and, and say like, again, like, like Shimon Peres once said in like the 90s, he said, I'm more scared of Israel bringing t- cable television in than I am of um, military threats. I think that cable television will be more corrosive to our culture. Now, I, you know, I don't believe in um, censorship ever. So, like, you know, and I believe in free markets. So I wouldn't say we, we should ban um, cable television. But I understand exactly what he's saying. And I probably would agree with him. Um, this is where the danger lies. The, the, the corrosion of, of, of depth and of sophistication and of values and of, of, um, of, of, of understanding of history and of, of, of caring and of real compassion, and instead a reliance on a very, very, very um, superficial, um, surfacey, shiny, in, in so many ways type of cultural veneer. It's very, very disturbing. Well, on that happy note, Molly, are you still going to be in our podcast next week, or you're turning Haredi, so you won't, won't, won't no longer talk to me? By the way, I was thinking about that, because I keep saying that kind of like it was like my tagline. Oh, I'm turning Haredi. It's not a fair way to say I'm not turning Haredi. I'm, 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 what I'm... You're what turning I'm, inward. You're turning inward. You're no, I'm, I'm saying because, um, because I'm not Haredi, because I'm thoughtful and because I evaluate things, I'm 
readjusting my critique of the culture. As the culture changes, so does my critique. And I'm, I'm still going to say we, we, should always, we should always take the best of, of secular culture and be respectful of secular culture. I'm not Haredi. I am what I am, and I believe what I believe. But I believe that, like, as the culture um, gets worse and worse, we have to become stronger and stronger in our own um, internal core. All right, we'll leave it at that. I want to thank Johnny uh, Solomon. We were supposed to do two topics. I really didn't think we'd have this much to say about Mark Marin. Uh, but, you know, there's always what to say. Um, um, we're supposed to, we'll, maybe we'll do the, the other topic next week. Maybe we'll find something else. I want to thank Rob Johnny for his thoughtfulness and Molly for your, uh, for your uh, vitriol. I, I was kind of expecting a little more, to be truthfully honest. I, this, um, I tried. I couldn't control myself. Oh, my goodness. And if you, seriously, um, if you go on our website, rzweekly.com, you can subscribe for a little less than $10,000, and we'll be happy to email you. We don't, I know, we don't have a website. I'm kidding. I'll be happy to email, <laughs> to email you uh, personally Molly's voice messages as she's living, <laughs> giving a running commentary listening to Mark Marin podcast. Well worth the investment. I want to thank my son, Patakis Folder. My name is Ruben Folder. Have a great week, everybody.